Y'all read books? Ever read books just for fun? Enjoyable books? Get a book, and uh, you're going to read it. You just pick it up and just say, well, here's this new book. I'm going to read it here. I think I'll start right here. Or maybe I'll start. Is that the way you normally read your books? You wouldn't know who was who was who or what was happening. But, you know, that's how we read the Bible all the time, isn't it? Uh, I'll just pick it up and I'll read over here. And maybe today I'll read over here. And I'll read a few sentences or maybe a chapter or two and then I'll put my book away and when I have time I'll get back to it. But a lot of the Bible is written in form of a story, narrative. And the part that Nathan was sharing with the children today was also uh, part of the narrative. It's a story. And if you start in the middle, then you don't know why things happened. So let me ask you, what were you doing two years ago? Can you, can you think back? Where were you uh, geographically? Where were you um, in relationships with people? Where were you in your job? Uh, where were you living? Where were you in your walk with God? Two years ago. Two years. Can you think? Can you remember that? So how far have you come? Is your life better now than it was two years ago? Have you been through some ups and downs through the last two years? Been through some crises? Been through some extremely joyful times? What's happened in the last two years? Because partly um, what we're experiencing today and the place that we are in our life, in all of our relationships and things, is a result of what's uh, happened in the past. And so if we were to, to say, okay, this is why I have this job today, that may or may not be... Um, an accurate picture of who you are or where you are. So for two years, right? Now the reason I'm asking about the two years is because when God challenged the Israelites to go into Canaan and possess the land, it wasn't something that happened just out of the blue. This was something that had been promised. Two years ago, before God told them to go in and possess the land, they were slaves in Egypt. Two years. And during that two-year period, they saw the power of God revealed in an incredible way. They were slaves to one of the most powerful, one of the most advanced civilizations in the world at that time. Very powerful, very sophisticated. They had had a, um, the pyramids were already old by that time. And so they saw the power of God come down in these ten plagues. It was a revelation of God not only to the Egyptians but to the Israelites as well because they had been slaves for 400 years. And their knowledge of who he was was probably a little dim by now. So this was this tremendous revelation. 
And they got to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army comes. These are, these are people that are not warriors. They are uh, craftsmen, uh, stonemasons, carpenters, ordinary working people. And they got this big army coming with chariots. And God protects them. He parts the Red Sea and they walk through. And the scripture says there was a wall of water on the right and on the left and they walked through that. And then when they got to the other side and Pharaoh's army started to come, the walls of water caved in and killed their enemies. And they were free. First time in their life, they were free. So, after that, it took about um, from Egypt to Mount Sinai. That journey lasted about three months, going through the desert. Lots of people with all their cattle, uh, flocks and herds and everything going with them. It took them three months to get from Egypt um, to Mount Sinai. During that time, because it was kind of a desolate place, they, they had great needs. Uh, it's one thing for you and I to have a drink of water. It's another thing to have maybe hundreds of thousands of people wanting a drink of water. There's a whole lot more, right? So God provided water for this whole group and um, not a lot to eat out there, but God provided manna every day. You got to go out and pick it up and you could uh, grind it up and make uh, bread and things out of it. So he provided that for them, and he provided quail. They decided they wanted some meat, and they were complaining to God, and God provided quail for the whole group, for everybody, more than what they needed. And so every day God was taking care of them, leading them through the desert, watching over them, guiding them. As Nathan was saying a while ago, um, at night there was a pillar of cloud that led them. At night there was a pillar of fire. The presence of God was being revealed to these people all during their journey. Now, they had struggles and they had hardships and difficulties, and yet God was demonstrating his love, his mercy, his provision, his protection, his care for them through this three-month period. Well, then they got to Mount Sinai, and you remember that at Mount Sinai, this is where Moses went up on the mountain and um, received the Ten Commandments from God, and they camped out there at Mount Sinai, for about one and three quarters year, about a year, a year and nine months, almost two years, a uh, year and nine, nine months they were there. And they, it was during this time that God was revealing himself to them, giving them laws, uh, helping them get organized, creating a nation out of a loose federation of people, creating a people of God and entering into a covenant with them. And it was during this time period that they were actually building According to God's blueprint, they were building the tabernacle and setting it up and, and establishing the priesthood and all of that sort of thing. They were doing this for about a year and three quarters. And during this time, they actually, all the people actually heard the voice of God initially. When God first began to come down on Mount Sinai, there was a tremendous earthquake, there was a huge fire, there was a loud trumpet blowing, scared all these people half to death. And the voice of God, they heard the voice of God speaking. And they said, this is such a frightening thing, we, we can't stand this. Um, Moses, you're, you go talk to him and you can tell us what he says. But we don't want to hear God's voice anymore. And so God said, okay, Moses, you come up here, I'll talk with you, and you can bring my commandments down. 
So it was during this time, as you remember, they, um, they built the golden calf while he was up there and he came down and got angry with them and a bunch of them died and they, they got everything sorted out. And finally, um, they understand the commandments and God says, okay, now this is a covenant, but it needs to be ratified. You all know what the stipulations are in the commandments and everything. Everybody understands. Now we need to ratify it, enter into it, actually making this covenant. So you had Moses and Joshua. You had Aaron and his two oldest sons, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 elders. And these were the legal representatives of the nation. They all went up the side of Mount Sinai, and it says that they saw the form of God, the 70 elders plus the priests plus the, the leaders there, Moses and Joshua. They saw the form of God, and they sat in his presence, and they ate and drank in his presence. So after all of that had been completed, they entered into that covenant with God. God says, okay, now it's time to go in and actually possess this land that I've promised you. It's like Nathan had promised Abigail. And so he says, I'm still leading you. He's still providing manna every day. They still have the pillar of fire at night, pillar of cloud by day. They've got the Ten Commandments with them. They have the, the Ark of the Covenant that's with them that they're carrying. This represents the presence of God in their midst. They've all heard the voice of God. They've seen the miracles. And they took them 11 days to get from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. 11 days. When they get to Kadesh Barnea, they said, let's send some men to spy out the land, see what we're getting into, and how we can best approach this thing. So they handpicked uh, 12 men, one from each tribe, to make sure everybody was represented. Everybody had a, an understanding of what was taking place and what they were getting into. And the 12 spies went in, and they traveled around Canaan. And they came back, and it said they had uh, two men carried a, had a pole between them, one in front, one in back. And they had one cluster of grapes and some raisins and some figs. And they brought this back, and they said, this is part of the fruit of the land. It's everything, everything God promised us and more. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Fertile valleys, productive. It's a beautiful place. But we can't go. I said, why? And they said, man, they have these huge walled cities, fortresses. And there's a lot of those people there. And they're, the Anakites are there. These guys are giants. We seem like grasshoppers when we stood up next to them. Now, these are big guys. Uh, almost as tall as this broom. So the average height was a little shorter than me, and I'm going to up and fight against the guy that, that, that's that tall. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe hit him in his kneecap. <laughs> you know? So they said, man, they got these big armies, and they got these walls and all this kind of stuff, and they had giants there. I don't think we... I don't know. Well, wait a minute. Why, why did God bring us out here? 
went through all that with Egypt, went through all that bringing us here, providing for us every day, taking care of us, watching over us. He's told us he's going to give it to us. What is the problem here? You didn't see those guys. They were big. Scared us. And so, 12 men went out. When they came back, 10 of those 12 said, there isn't any way we can go in there. No, that's it. We, we, can't, we can't deal with this. Two, Joshua and Caleb said, wait a minute. It's not who are they. It's who is with us. Who do we belong to? Remember Egypt. Remember the Mount Sinai 11 days ago. Did we eat this morning? Yeah. Did we get here? Yeah. We didn't know the way here. None of us had ever been. Moses had never been there. So, I want to know where were we two years ago? And what have we been through? Many of us could say, uh, look back within the last two years, and we can see the hand of God working in our lives and in the lives of others. Many of us know of God's provision and God's care, God's comfort. And many of us are facing real crises right now in our homes and families, maybe personal situation, uh, real issues that we're struggling with and wondering how we're going to manage and deal with. Things that to us seem as daunting as a giant or as a walled castle, a walled fortress. And we're thinking, how in the world can God bring any good out of this? And yet, that's what he's promised. So, but you know how it is. The way that rebellion and the way that discouragement works is it only takes one or two people and they start talking and complaining. You know, well, this isn't right. Well, that's not good enough. And, uh, you know, this, this is never going to happen. And I, I think it's a bad idea. And I don't know if we can trust these people or not. And, and besides that, it's not fair the way they're treating me, you know. And then you start complaining and everything. And pretty soon you start looking around and everything is ugly. <laughs> you know, the job is no good anymore. It's not fun anymore. And it's not challenging enough or it's too challenging. Or, you know, are the relationships not the way that you had hoped and planned and, and dreamed that it would be? And, and you know, well, this, this is a little uncomfortable here. And you know, God didn't lead us out of Egypt so that we could move to Albuquerque. He didn't do that. He led us out of Egypt so that we would know him and trust him and follow him. And so here they are. Uh, God has invited them into a, a, a living relationship with him. And they're saying, well, I don't know. I don't like the place that you're sending me. I don't think I can do well there. I don't know that you're going to be with me. There's a lot of problems in going over there, you know. There's a lot of problems in staying where you've called me to be. <clears throat> Maybe I need to move. Why did you bring me here to begin with? I wish we'd never come. You know, and that's kind of the deal starts working. And it didn't take long. So it tells us here in Deuteronomy, and you've got a, a, an extended um, version. Deuteronomy is the summary. Uh, the extended version is in the book of Numbers, chapters 13 and 14. 
And it even lists the names of the men and the tribes that they are from. Gives, you, gives all their names, all these 12 men. And they're leaders. Men with abilities and talents, people that they trust. Uh, people of responsibility. And so, but they're sent out and they get their eyes off of the God who had delivered them. And the memory of all the blessings becomes very dim when you're looking at a giant inside a walled fort. Then the memory becomes a little dim. And all of a sudden, the fortress becomes a little bigger than God. Oh, this giant is so big, uh, I don't know if even God can deal with this. And here we are, um, out here in the desert, and it's just us, and there isn't any help if we get into trouble. There isn't any help? How did we get here to start with? God brought us out here to kill us. That's what he did. God brought us out here for us to die in this desert. If God had wanted them dead, all he had to do was leave them in Egypt. <laughs> he could have just left at the, at the Red Sea. Pharaoh would have wiped them all out. Um, he could have let them die in the desert without providing for their food and water. He could have let them, left them out there alone and they would have been wandering all over the place uh, because they didn't know where they were going. But God didn't do that. And he hasn't done that with us either, has he? He's been faithful. If we are alive today... It's because of the grace of God. God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us our life. He doesn't owe us our next breath. He doesn't owe us anything. We are here, if we are here at all, by the grace of God. Well, the, the problems became so big that they lost sight of that. And so they began to murmur and complain. And Joshua and Caleb said, wait a minute, you don't understand. There are giants. We saw the same giants you saw. We saw the same fortified cities that you saw. But we also know the power of God. We were on that mountain. We saw him. We know his power and his grace and what he's done. Look what he did to Egypt. He's brought us this far. He's promised us we're in a covenant relationship with him now. He will help us. Uh, let's trust him and go. He told us. Cheers. Go get it. I'll, I will be with you. But they complained and murmured, and they spread this evil report among all their friends and neighbors and in their tribal groups. And it got so bad that they actually talked about stoning Moses and Joshua and Caleb. Uh, stoning them. Their leaders, the ones who had delivered them from Egypt, who God had used to deliver them from Egypt. Uh, those, I, don't, I don't understand that. Uh, <laughs> Moses stands there with his staff, and God says, stretch it out, and he stretches it out, and bad stuff happens to Egypt. <laughs> and he does that ten times. And they're sitting there watching this, and, and this is the guy they're talking about stoning So, says the Lord hates us. So he's brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. 
our brothers have made us lose heart. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word. <laughs> a discouraging word can really do a lot of damage. And it's those kinds of things that began to work and eat away at people and at groups and at relationships. And so it's, it's important um, who we're looking to and what we see in the situations. Ten men went out and they saw this as insurmountable obstacles, things that they could not handle and meet on their own, and they were right. They couldn't. But the point was that they weren't there on their own, that God was with them, and they had a word from God, they had a promise of God, and they had a command from God. Go. We've got a command as Christians also, don't we? It's the same command, oddly enough. Go. He didn't say stay. Go. I'm sending you. And what was the promise that Jesus gave the disciples? Lo, I am with you always. It's the same thing that he said to the Israelites. Go. I'm with you. It doesn't matter the obstacles. It doesn't matter the giants that you're going to face or the forts or the battles that you're going to have to fight because you will have to fight. It is a battle. But the promise is you've got a command from God You've got a revelation of who he is, and you have a promise of his presence. And he says, I will go before you, and I am with you. And whatever you face, I'm here for you. So where were you two years ago? How far have you come? Are you closer to God now than when you left? Or when you, where you were two years ago? What obstacles have you faced and overcome who were the areas that we stumbled and fell because it wasn't an easy road for them to get this far either. <laughs> Many of them stumbled and fell. But God was faithful and that's why they were where they were. And so God invites us to trust him, to keep our eyes focused upon, upon him. Um, the thing that really struck my attention in, verse, in chapter 14 of the book of Numbers talking about the same situation. And one of the excuses that they gave for rebelling and not going into the promised land was, we are afraid that our children will be destroyed. We don't want to put our kids through this, you know? That's a hard thing. You understand, if it wasn't for the kids, uh, we would be willing to go, <laughs> you know? But, but you know... We've we got to look after these little ones. Well, who took care of the little ones brought them out of Egypt? Who's been feeding them this whole time? Who's been protecting them, guiding them, watching over them? Well, God has because he loves them more than you. Hard to understand that. But he loves our children more than we do. But this is what they said. We're afraid, so we don't want our children to, be, to go into that. And so, God says, if you don't want to go in, don't. You can stay in this desert. And you will stay in this desert for the next 40 years until this whole generation, unbelieving, um, unfaithful, are already breaking the covenant. 11 days old, already broken the covenant. And rebelling against God himself. And he says, you'll stay in here, you'll wander around this desert for the next 40 years. And he says, your bodies will fall in this desert. Your children 
will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the desert. And so these children that you were so concerned about will be suffering the next 40 years because of you. And when those things happen, I want you to understand you brought this on them by your unbelief and your lack of faith. And those children that you were so fearful of, they will go in and they will enter that land and they will possess it and God will give it to them. Because God will be providing for them, not you. Wow. And that's what happened. So what happened to those ten? Do you, you know? Most of us know this general outline here. What happened to the... You have the twelve men. What happened to the ten? So the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men, responsible for spreading the bad report about the land, were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jehopna survived. So when that happened, then all the people said, well, uh, uh, wait a minute. Change of heart, change of mind. We'll go. Uh, we're getting our stuff here, putting on the armor, getting the short, sharpening the sword. We're, we're on our way. And Moses said, wait a minute. Now, you had your opportunity to choose. You made your choice. You already said to God, I don't trust you. I'm going to turn my back. And God, you hate us. They actually said that. God hates us and has brought us out here to kill us. He said, no. This is what we're going to do. Forty years we're going to be wandering here. Uh, and they said, no, we're going. And Moses said, wait a minute. Don't go because God has told you I'm not going with you. No, we're going. He said, go, we are going. So they went and they attacked and said that the enemies came out like a swarm of bees. Have you ever been attacked by a swarm of bees? <laughs> It's not pleasant. And you can run and they will chase you. And they did. And they chased those people all the way. Kicked them out of the land completely. And they came back and Moses said, every time, if you go through that, that whole time, from Egypt all the way to Cadiz Barnea, every time God told them to do something, they didn't. Every time he told them not to do something, they went out and tried it. So where are we? Last two years. Uh, what have we seen of God's provision and God's mercy and God's grace? We're all here because of God's grace. We're all here because God has allowed us to live this long. So what's the last two years been like? Are we doing any better than the children of Israel? Are we facing obstacles and difficulties uh, between people or between situations or between location? Uh, where are we? Things going good for us? Are we strong in the Lord? Um, are we walking with Him like Joshua and Caleb? Um, so, something for us to keep in mind today. And we're talking about seeing through the eyes of faith. Because all 12 men 
saw exactly the same thing, all 12. They saw exactly the same thing. And we're not talking about optimists, not talking about looking on the bright side. We're talking about people who have a certainty and an understanding of the nature and character of God, who have a word from God and believe it and are going to walk with him regardless of what the situation or circumstances that they face because they know that God is faithful and he has promised to be with them. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that we serve a God who loves us and not only has delivered us and set us free through the blood of Christ, but promises to walk with us and go before us and invites us to follow him. Lord, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of our faith, that we might see you for who you are. And remember when the times are dark and the situation looks ugly, that you've promised to be with us. Help us to trust you, Lord, in those times of need, those times of despair, those times of challenge, those difficult times when no one else understands. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes focused upon you and upon your faithfulness to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.